Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 20th episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries, where we take ourselves about as seriously as Kathy Griffin thinks about the things she says and does. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and it has certainly been a long, short week. Um, I didn't have any special plans for Memorial Day apart from obviously remembering to take the time and appreciate the members of our armed services who have paid the ultimate price for our freedom. Uh, I got some projects done around the house. Uh, I think it's really great to have this sort of weekend without any big plans every now and then just to sort of unwind and reset. And it certainly really felt good for my mental health. But man, this week has been really busy. Um, two things I did not get done uh, this week and over the weekend were, one, a deep dive segment for this week, as I promised last week, and two, I could not fix the insane rattling inside the engine bay of my Mazda. I think I have it identified as the windshield washer reservoir as the culprit, which is a weird place for a rattling to happen, but I'm going to have to take the entire bumper off and, and the headlight assembly uh, to try to fix it. So it's it's going to have to wait a couple weeks. Um, but you don't have to wait a couple weeks for the latest car news because it's all right here. First up, there have been several stories flowing through the various internet tubes this week about a forthcoming glut of cars coming off of lease. Uh, if you've been on most enthusiast websites, I'm sure you've seen something about now's the perfect time to buy a used car, blah, blah, blah. Well, the smart move here, people, is to not listen to the bloggers who read statistics and then immediately report on them without analyzing the numbers. The smart play is to wait. Jalopnik posted the advice to go buy a new car without much credible evidence beyond the prices falling 7%. Uh, why it would be a good idea. Well, CarScoops actually had some decent numbers to back up their same advice. Basically, Infinity leased a sort of incredible 28,000 Q50 models, which uh, is the successor to the G37 sedan, in 2014, meaning those cars are going to come off their three-year leases this year. Thing is, they're not all available exactly right now. And sure, there'll be a lot of attractive options popping up this year for used cars, but this is truly the tip of the used car iceberg. Last year, 3 million vehicles came off lease. This year, an estimated 3.5 million vehicles will. Notice a trend? 17% more cars than last year, right? Well, you can bet that that number is going to go up, because the number of leases in the past three years has climbed so much that automakers are now trying to cut back on the lease deals they offer buyers because they know a glut is coming and that they're going to have trouble moving these cars as sales of both new and used cars have been falling this year. So, sure, now may be a decent time to find some used car deals, especially on apparently Infinity Q50s, but the best time? Hardly. We're probably looking at another year or so when lots are just packed to the brim with cars dealers cannot sell before we start seeing those dealers become so desperate to move inventory that some truly ridiculous deals become available. So if you can hold on to your car for another year or so and resist the decent deals that you see for now, you will probably be better off for it. 
Now, speaking of car sales, May sales figures are out, and as you might have guessed, sales were down again, though by a smaller amount than we've been seeing recently. Apparently, fleet sales and truck sales were pretty strong and offset a large portion of, but not all of, the drop in car sales, which has continued. Uh, this was pretty much expected, even with the big discounts for Memorial Day and with large incentives across the board. What is sort of worrying is the growing trend in auto loans. Uh, in 2009, only about 11% of auto loans were financed for between 73 and 84 months, which is more than six years spent paying off a car. Now, more than a third of all buyers are financing for that long meaning they are trying to get their monthly payments as absolutely low as possible. This mirrors the growth in deep subprime loan rates, which could mean that we have a whole slew of auto loans ready for default, and we're just going to have a bubble just like we did with housing in 2008. But it's probably fine, right? Hey, at least we're out of that disastrous Paris Accord, right? Right? Well... <laughs> Talking of sales, one of the hardest hit by this downturn has been Hyundai, who reportedly have all hands on deck trying to figure out a way out of their sales hole. It's uh, not just in the states that they're suffering, though. They've seen a 5% market share decline in China, which Hyundai thought would be a huge growth potential for them. Part of the China issue is political and cultural, with buyers stuck in a mentality that Korean cars are second in quality to Japanese and even American cars. Uh, clearly, these Chinese buyers haven't driven too many Chrysler products. Uh, in any case, the, another problem is in China, but also here in the States, is their current lineup. They recently debuted the new Sonata, but guess what nobody is buying? Mid-sized sedans. So, they have the Elantra as well, but small car sales are down too. Next week, Hyundai is apparently planning to launch the Kona, a compact crossover, uh, which of course is all the rage, but it's really, really late in the game. So, it's going to have to be really impressive to take sales away from the Nissan Rogues and the RAV4s and the CRVs of the world. Based on the totally lukewarm reception for the just mildly refreshed Sonata, Hyundai knows that they need to hit a home run. So I guess we'll see next week if they even manage to make contact with the ball. Um, but speaking of cars that aren't selling well, the Tesla Model X is drastically underperforming what CEO Elon Musk's predictions were for it. Uh, his predictions were that it would equal the Model S in terms of sales shortly after its launch. Um, he says that they made it too complicated, which made it too expensive. I say they made it too big and too ugly. SUVs and crossovers are a huge market right now, but the Model X, which looks like a minivan with a worse and occasionally dangerous doors in the back, uh, isn't cashing in on this trend because it doesn't look like a crossover SUV and isn't small enough to get the compact crossover crowd. Um, he is right that it is too expensive. It starts at something like eighty-two grand, which is way above the average, which is about 35000 So I think they do have some catching up to do there. But uh, for now, Tesla can rely on their sort of social cachet to sell cars. But when more companies start releasing EVs on a large scale, they're going to have to learn how to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with more popular model vehicle types. Um so also this week, not content to limit their bad news to one week or two weeks, 
Uber's hits keep on coming this week with the news that uh, they are being investigated by the California Department of Motor Vehicles for their autonomous trucking company, which is called Auto. Uh, Apparently, Uber told California that the trucks they were testing were going to be semi-autonomous, when in fact, uh, they have been fully autonomous, requiring no driver input. This violates the rules under which the company was operating and could cost them their ability to continue testing in California. The irony here is that the DMV caught on that Uber might have been pulling a fast one from a car and driver article where Uber was boasting about its trucking fleet having fully autonomous capabilities. So they basically ratted themselves out through one of the world's largest car magazines. Just a great job, guys. Uh, Speaking of people getting fired, or probably getting fired, Uber has apparently let go of the former Google engineer who brought all of his 14,000 secrets to Uber's autonomous driving division, undoubtedly hoping that such a move would make them square with Waymo, Google's autonomous driving company, from whom the secrets were stolen. Apparently, Anthony Lewandowski, the former Google engineer, pleaded the fifth and refused to cooperate with the court handling the lawsuit, which then basically put the onus on Uber to cooperate, leaving the company with little choice but to fire Lewandowski. This and other recent news bows very poorly for Uber's self-driving program. Um, And if you'll recall, uh, I mentioned last week that Uber has been paying around $900 to every Uber driver, driver, Uber driver, Uber driver in New York at a total cost of about $45 million uh, for underpaying drivers over the course of the last few years. Uh, While drivers have decided that that money still isn't enough, and now they have filed a class action lawsuit against the company, alleging that they owe drivers even more. This is going to cost Uber probably millions just in legal fees to fight, and at this rate, it'll be amazing if Uber lasts until 2018 even, so get your rides in while you can, or maybe just switch to the slightly less controversial Lyft. Um, This past holiday weekend was also a huge weekend in motorsports, with the Formula One Monaco Grand Prix and the Indianapolis 500 both occurring. Uh, There are a few surprises in both, and I'm not going to go into too much detail here for the non-racing enthusiasts, but first in Indiana, Takuma Sato became the first Japanese driver ever to win the Indy 500, uh, fighting off a challenge from the Brazilian Helio Castroneves. Unlike most other races where drivers celebrate with massive bottles of champagne, Indiana, the Puritan hellscape for heathens like myself, gives drivers a big old jar of milk for them to drink and then douse themselves in, which Sato was happy to do after his victory. Meanwhile, in Monaco, Sebastian Vettel raced his Ferrari to an important win, uh, which is Ferrari's first win in Monaco since 2001, 16 years ago. Um, Current leaderboard uh, leader... (laughs) Lewis Hamilton finished 7th, so this race could have a big impact on how the season winds up if the Ferrari drivers can continue their success and the momentum they developed here. A side story from this weekend was that Fernando Alonso, who is normally a driver for McLaren Honda in Formula 1, basically called in a sickie so that he could go race at the Indy 500 instead. Taking over for him in Formula 1 was former teammate Jensen Button, who, um, after being wished luck by uh, Fernando, 
joked that he was going to pee in Fernando's seat while he was borrowing his F1 car. Uh, unfortunately, Fernando, for Fernando, he went from driving a Honda in Monaco to driving a Honda in Indiana, where both Hondas proved to be absolute garbage. Um, neither Honda entered in uh, Indianapolis finished the race, each dying of engine failure. And similarly, neither Honda finished the race in Monaco. So if you want a reliable road car, buy a Honda. If you want a reliable race car, don't buy a Honda. <laughs> Uh, Spanish car maker Seat, which uh, whose name looks exactly like Seat, S-E-A-T, but I assure you it's pronounced Seat, uh, is just about ready to unveil their new seven-seat SUV. Uh, since Seat is owned by Volkswagen, this will probably be based on the new Touareg or Audi Q7 or Porsche Cayenne because they all share the same platforms across their brands. The only problem is that Seat here... Um, they don't really know what they want to call their car yet. So in the tradition of making everything somebody else's problem, they're hoping that they can crowdsource the name for their big SUV through the internets. So listeners, you can submit names until July, June 22nd, um, but they uh, say others are adamant that the name has to be taken from Spanish geography which I think is their way of heading off any sort of uh, Kari McCar face fiasco. Um, so if you have a favorite bit of Spanish geography, and honestly, who doesn't, you can submit it through seat.com, that's S-E-A-T, like seat.com, slash seeking name. So go ahead and go do that. Um, and not to beat on a dead horse too much here, uh, but Diesel was in the news again this week. First, because Maryland has done its best Colorado impression and banned rolling coal. Um, good on you, Maryland. Uh, second, we've, we've heard a lot about the car manufacturers accused of cheating diesel engines, but there is apparently a common link among most of these manufacturers, and that link is German company Bosch. Uh, they've been ordered to pay $328 million as part of the Volkswagen Dieselgate scandal, but there's suspicion that they could have been the key to basically all of the accused manufacturers' cheating technology. Um, it was apparently Bosch software that was provided in a format that could be easily manipulated to cheat on diesel tests, um, emissions tests. It's not clear if Bosch manipulated the uh, software or if the manufacturers simply took Bosch's perfectly fair systems and then bastardized them. But Germany is hard at work investigating the company for fraud alongside Daimler, so we may not have heard the end of this. Um, at least as far as you listeners are concerned, you've heard the end of the top stories, so we're going to get into some quick hits. Starting out with what I think is one of the coolest stories this week, Lamborghini has announced a collaboration with Houston Methodist Research Institute to study the use of carbon fiber in human prosthetics. The car company ha already makes use of such lightweight materials in its vehicles. I guess they decided it would be natural to see if there were any valid applications for the drivers of their cars, too. They're apparently looking at subcutaneous prosthetics, so ones that go under your skin, 
which would allow recipients to say with seriousness that they have a Lamborghini, they just can't show it to you right now. So go ahead and try that as a pickup line. When I was in Seattle visiting my friends Dan and Megan, we entertained the idea of getting one of BMW's Reach Now vehicles from their car sharing program as a way of getting around the city. We never did so, but maybe I should be glad that we didn't, since a report came out this week that several Reach Now vehicles have become trapped on ferries around Seattle. This is apparently because of a safety feature that locks the car's wheels when the vehicle senses that the car is in motion while the vehicle's engine is turned off. This is helpful for things like being towed, which I'm told BMWs require somewhat regularly, but not so helpful for things like getting where you want to go, which is sort of the point of a car-sharing service. AMG Mercedes Benz's high-end performance tuning arm says they are hoping to sell a hundred thousand cars worldwide this year. Apparently they came within a thousand of reaching that number last year and have no reason to think that wealthy people will stop making it rain anytime soon. If a hundred grand doesn't sound like much, consider that the average price among all 34 AMG cars, yes, they make 34 AMG models, is more than 112000 per vehicle, and that's without any options. If they achieve their goal, and the price is just the average price of an AMG car, Mercedes will make more than $11 billion on AMG cars alone. And what do you think the most expensive AMG car is? The AMG GTS? Nope, it's the AMG S65 convertible ringing in at $247,900 to start. Because if you're starting out at that point, why stop, right? The only Canadian province that thinks it's really French, Quebec has begun offering a 4000 Canadian dollar government incentive on the now fairly unimpressive Nissan Leaf. The thing is, they're not just providing this incentive on new cars, you can get it on certified pre-owned models as well. With how the Leaf has depreciated since it debuted in 2010, you can probably find a truly incredible deal on a Nissan Leaf up there. Many dealerships are actually importing used models from the U.S. to satisfy demand. With its paltry range and small size, the Leaf isn't particularly attractive for anything more than short-distance city commuting, but a lot of people in Montreal and Quebec City do exactly that, and unimpressive as it may be, it's still a whole entire car, and being able to get a good condition model in the six grand range after a government incentive makes it more attractive than fresh cheese curds on poutine. Ah, damn, now I really want some poutine. Um... Cycle World this week had a pretty cool story about a couple of guys who plotted a non-stop 32-hour road trip from L.A. to Seattle for no good reason. The thing is, these guys were doing it in a Ural motorcycle with a sidecar. For the uninitiated, a Ural motorcycle is basically the same as a very, very slightly modernized 1930s BMW bike. It's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty wild adventure, and if you're at all interested in this sort of thing, or if you just enjoy a fun story, head over to Cycle World and check it out. After rolling out some vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communications in the Cadillac CTS, General Motors is starting to install some vehicle-to-infrastructure, or V2i tech, in the same model. This will allow the car to talk to traffic signals equipped with some sort of communication system. They've been testing this in Michigan, where some traffic signals relay cycle information and can offer a countdown to a green light, among other various benefits. 
It's a good thing they're putting this into the CTS rather than a Camaro or Corvette because if they put a, a green light countdown, it'd basically be adding a drag race tree into every stoplight. I don't cover celebrities much in this podcast, but it was fairly well reported this week that Tiger Woods was pulled over and arrested for driving under the influence in Florida. He managed to royally mess up his S-Class Mercedes, popping two tires, bending the rims, and busting up his front bumper and side skirt. Woods insisted that alcohol wasn't related, but merely it was a bad reaction to drugs he's been taking to get over his recent back surgery. Woods hasn't won a major golf tournament since 2013, and despite the damage to his car, some sports commentators are insisting that this was his best drive in years. And that's a golf joke because you drive the ball. Anyway, so since the purchase of Lotus last week by Chinese automaker Geely, there has been a discussion of how Lotus fits in with Geely's other car brands, especially Volvo, who has been on a hit streak lately with the modern and attractive XC90 and downright sexy S and V90 sedan and wagon. They're also introducing new XC60 and smaller XC40 crossover. When it comes to Lotus, Geely has mentioned that they will seek to have a better exchange of knowledge between brands, meaning that Volvo could benefit from Lotus engineers' experience in handling. As we enthusiasts know, Lotus cars are some of the best handling cars on the planet, and if that tech could be applied to some of the best-looking Swedish cars, Volvo could see its Polestar performance brand start to really rival Mercedes-AMG and BMW's M-car divisions. More competition is good for everyone, especially us, but for now we'll just have to wait and count our meatballs. BMW has recalled more than 45,000 7 Series sedans from the 2005 to 2008 model years because doors may open inadvertently while the vehicle is being driven, which is horrible news if you want to keep your passengers inside the vehicle, but great news if you're looking for a quick way to get rid of the in-laws. If you have one of these cars, get it checked out, or don't, and live dangerously. Speaking of recalls, a study indicates that the vast majority of vehicles recalled for the Takata airbag inflators that will quite literally try to cut your head off, more than 30 million cars, have still not been fixed. For God's sake, people, if you have a car, check and see if it's been recalled and schedule a time to go get it fixed. If you don't have a car, I don't know why you're listening, but thank you very much for doing so. First, the wagon renaissance. Next, the hatchback comeback? The hatch comeback? Anyway, reports this week indicated that despite falling demand for small cars and absolutely plummeting demand for mid-sized sedans, hatchbacks have seen quite an uptick in sales. Kelly Blue Book says that with the new Chevy Cruze hatchback, the Honda Civic hatchback, and the Toyota Corolla IM, there are now nine hatchbacks from which to choose, and buyers don't have to give up the efficiency and affordability of a compact car to get the cargo versatility of a crossover, which is what I've been saying this whole time! Thank you for finally listening, buyers. Since 2014, more than 150 Jeep Wranglers, about $4.5 million worth in San Diego, have gone missing. But the mystery was solved this week thanks to the cleverly named Regional Automotive Theft Task Force, or RAT. Apparently, members of the Hooligans Gang from Mexico, through U.S.-born members, were taking photos of VIN numbers of Wranglers parked in the street or in driveways, then using a Jeep dealership in Mexico to order replacement keys for the cars, cars they didn't own. They'd then get the keys, reprogram them with 
the mysterious handheld device that likely also came from the Mexican Jeep dealership, then just walk up, unlock the car, and drive across the border where it'd be stripped and parted out. Fiat Chrysler will have some explaining to do for why one of their dealerships was letting people order keys for cars they didn't own, but at least people can sleep easy now in San Diego, which I'm told is German for a whale's vagina. Calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Not content to take Doc Brown's word for it, a California man who just bought himself his dream car, a DeLorean DMC-12, decided to take his mom for a ride and see what exactly happens when he hit that magical number. Unfortunately for him, his particular car was not equipped with the factory-optional flux capacitor, so rather than finding himself in 1955, he found himself being followed by the 5.0. He received his speeding ticket from an apparently smiling California Highway Patrol officer. When asked why he was going so fast, the man apparently indicated he was accused of being chicken. What's wrong, McFly? Chicken? Finally this week, Fiat is looking to improve its sales, which have been, as you would say in Italian, molto sacro. How are they doing this, you ask? By putting more time and thought into the vehicles they offer? By testing their cars and ironing out bugs and flaws before they go into the market? By over-engineering vehicles like the Germans to improve reliability? By slapping on turbochargers and just ho hoping raw speed will carry them? No to all of these. Instead, they have gone a fairly unique route and are instead employing freaking Chuck Norris! That's right, Walker Texas Ranger will begin to feature in Fiat Professionals advertisement, which is geared at selling the brand's commercial vehicles like vans and trucks. The great news is, if any of their cars break down while filming, which they probably will, I'm pretty sure they can count on a swift roundhouse kick to get them pop-started again. Now we're going to look at some new cars this week. I didn't get to this when it debuted last week, but BMW officially showed off the new 8 Series Coupe several times over the past week, and it is a very striking, very long, very low, sporty-looking car. You, know, you may notice I didn't say attractive there, and that was intentional. Uh, reading about this car online this week, it sounds like I am in the majority, but I don't really find the car that pretty-looking. Uh, at least from the front. It's really attractive and really pretty from pretty much every other angle, but when you see the car from the front with its sort of exaggeratedly large kidney grills that extend up above beyond the bumper crease line, it just sort of looks like an angry, toothy, grimacing face. Uh, from the side, you could easily mistake this for a new Infiniti Q60 Coupe, which is a good thing, uh, at least for Infiniti, and the back is sharp and quite attractive. Um, we don't have any performance information on this yet, uh, but it probably is not going to get a V12 like its predecessor. Regardless, it'll be fast, and with a face like that, it's going to have to be. Uh, hot off their acquisition by Geely, Lotus have announced the Elise Cup 250, which they say is the, quote, purest form, quote, of the Elise, weighing in at under a ton and being powered by a supercharged 1.8-liter four-cylinder Toyota motor, putting out 240 horsepower. 
It'll apparently do 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds, which isn't bad for a small four-cylinder, and you know it's going to handle like it's on rails. This will be priced at just around 62 grand, which you don't get a lot of car for your money, but you do get a lot of fun. I think this came up in one of my wrap-up songs, but Volkswagen recently launched the Arteon, an upscale four-door coupe uh, meant to replace the aging CC. Uh, it's super attractive, uh, and it's much more upmarket than the Passat or Jetta, uh, and is meant to sort of target BMW and Mercedes buyers. Well, apparently Volkswagen has big plans for the Arteon, um, saying it's our intention to turn the Arteon into a model family, uh, said Volkswagen head of product line Elmar Lichards. Uh, he told that to Autocar. He said, right now we have a proposal on the table for a stylish wagon yes, version to complement the hatchback. That car has not, yet, not yet been confirmed for production, but it has a good chance, end quote. You hear that? The wagon renaissance continues. Though this quote was given to a European publication, and if history is any indication, we probably won't get the Arteon wagon here in the U.S. But Volkswagen do sell the Golf Sport wagon, so I'm saying there's a chance. And maybe there is reason to hold out hope, because the Arteon wagon renders that are on Autocar are beautiful. Uh, this week, Rolls-Royce showed off a custom model at the Villa de State Concours d'Elegance named the Sweptail. The 1920s-inspired two-door-seater coupe was commissioned by an unnamed collector. I'm not sure what you have to do for a living in order to be a Rolls-Royce collector with enough clout that the you can get the company to create an entirely bespoke vehicle just for you or know how much that bespoke vehicle might cost, but man, it must be nice. Uh, speculation is that Rolls could be getting more into this sort of bespoke car business as the rich keep getting richer and the us keep getting more us. It builds character, right? Um, BMW this week revealed an all-electric concept that looks straight out of the movies. It's called the Motorrad Concept Link. It's a scooter that might have been a total ripoff of the main motorcycle from the anime movie Akira, um, but, you know, uh, a scooter. Uh, BMW says that the scooter stands for a new understanding of urban mobility, whatever that means, but it looks cool and has a big battery and a touchscreen display and a storage compartment for your helmet. There's no word on if it will receive the green light for production or if we'd see it here in the States, but I could imagine this being a big hit in many European cities, just probably not so much here. And that's it for new cars. Uh, in terms of obituaries this week, the Lexus CT200H, the small hybrid hatchback that is basically a much more attractive-looking previous-generation Toyota Prius, has been officially discontinued. I think many will admit that they probably forgot it was on sale in the first place, despite being far better than the Lexus HS hybrid that preceded it. Uh, the simple fact is it sold in volumes a fraction of its competitors, so it was never too long for this world. Um, unfortunately, a really, really terrible story came out of the UK this week where an 18-year-old mechanic, uh, an Audi mechanic, committed suicide 
following a rash of hazing by fellow mechanics at a dealership in Berkshire. Uh, George Cheese, a former British Army mechanic who was discharged due to stress fractures in his leg, was apparently just over the moon to land this job at Audi, um, but was subjected to absolutely despicable behavior by his peers. Uh, George was locked in a trunk, doused with a pressure washer until he couldn't move, held down and beaten, and even set on fire. Um, all of this is on top of verbal abuse he endured from his colleagues, which included being told by his manager to go hang himself. Tragically, that's exactly what George did. And there's absolutely nothing that could condone the behavior of George's co-workers, and it is deeply saddening to see this someone driven to such extremes by the careless idiocy of the people around him. So my, my condolences certainly go out to George's family and friends. And certainly if you know anyone in this sort of state of depression that, that sounded like George was going through, please try to give them the support and get them the help they need to realize that suicide is never the answer. Um, moving on, uh, I mentioned earlier the, uh, in the podcast that I haven't had a chance to get to the deep dive that I was going to talk about, about how I got into cars in the first place. So I'm going to try to get that written over the weekend and we'll have something for you, uh, for next week. So, uh, we'll wrap up this week with this week's call to action. I, I want you listeners to take a project that you've been working on that has sort of been languishing and try to make some progress on it. I've been working this week on a, uh, a motorized camera slider that is, uh, the pieces for it have been sitting in my front room for about six months. Uh, not only am I really looking forward to completing it and a sense of accomplishment that I get from completing it, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how some of the footage turns out after it's, it is completed. Uh, I'm also sure that my wife will be glad to not have rubber belts and electronic components and gears strewn about the house. So especially now, when it seems like we are constantly hearing of various regressions in some way or another in the news, making personal progress on something is important to both our goals and to reassure ourselves that everything isn't necessarily as dire as it may sound uh, if you listen to the TV. So with that, uh, I thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. And this week, I will leave you with the sounds of the new BMW M8, which was announced right after the new 8 Series Coupe, um, but was shown in a ton of camouflage, so we're not quite sure how it's going to look yet. It sounds, though, to put it politely, pretty ridiculous. So here, friends, is your moment of zen. <laughs>